0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on.
1: Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: He claimed there was going to be a promised thousand years of the Third Reich. So by that maths, given that he was in charge for 12 and a half years, he achieved about 1.2% of his goal, the complete destruction of his country. That's, yeah. that's what happened. That was the, how it ended.
1: Welcome to the Warrior U podcast, proudly presented by Hindsight Leadership and Resilience. The Warrior U podcast delves deep into the topics of leadership, resilience and human optimization. Our mission statement is simple. You're the mission. A massive shout out to our main sponsor, gym equipment specialist, Aussie Strength, a proud Australian veteran-owned business who have kitted out home garage gyms and huge fitness centres all over Australia and globally. This week on the Warrior U podcast, Bram Connolly and Lieutenant Colonel Trent Bernard start their leader analysis series. During this series, Trent and Bram will be pulling apart leadership styles through history and attributing them with a score for different areas of leadership. By doing this, they hope to find skills and attributes that modern leaders may or may not want to emulate. Adolf Hitler was born in 1889 in Austria. He became the Führer of Nazi Germany from 1933 to 1945. As a leader of Germany's Nazi Party, he was one of the most powerful and notorious dictators of the 20th century. The Enabling Act allowed Reich government to issue laws without the consent of Germany's parliament, laying the foundation for complete Nazification of German society. The law was passed on March 23, 1933, and published the following day. We start our conversation with a snippet from Hitler's speech promoting the Enabling Act. <laughs>
2: The positive Aufgabe der Gewinnung des deutschen Arbeiters für den Nationalstaat.
1: Oh. Analyzing Hitler as a Leader with Trenton Bram.
0: I thought we'd do something a little bit different today. So, Trent and I, we're going to launch into a new sort of avenue for the podcast for a couple of months just to look through history at some pretty amazing. Leaders, well, not amazing necessarily. The first one's not amazing. Hitler, <laughs> um, he, he was a leader. So much. Yeah, and we're going to go through and talk about these leaders, and I'm going to give you an introduction in them, into them, and then around a score around, you know, what was their inspiration, motivation, score, providing purpose and direction. We'll give them a score for that. Uh, Roll into. Their leadership style, again, another score, 7 out of 10 for Hitler. We'll get into that in a minute. And you see what I did there? That's like a hook, like 7 out of 10. Now they're going to listen until they get to that. Then we're going to go through enduring legacy, score out of 10, how it ended for them, score out of 10, and an overall leadership summary and a final score out of 50. So interestingly, those those modalities – uh, how it ended, enduring legacy, leadership style, providing purpose and direction, inspiration and motivation. They're all sort of pillars to what would be coined these days as an adaptive leadership framework. So we're looking at these leaders through an adaptive leadership framework, providing them a score out of 50, and then you, know, you and I have a bit of a chat about them, but we will also talk about those different modalities and how people might be able to take some things away from these people and put it into their own leadership styles. Maybe we won't be too contentious with, with the first one, with Hitler. Um, probably don't want to take too much away. But, yeah, we'll get into it. All righty. So, firstly, I'm joined today by my mate Trent. Trent and I are going to... How are you going? Good. We're going to pull apart Adolf Hitler. And I'm going to go through a little bit of a background first. So for those that don't know, Hitler was the Fuhrer of Nazi Germany from 1933 to 1945. He was born in 1889 in Austria. Um, I think he was pretty poor, actually, if memory serves me correctly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: He was present at the First Battle of Ypres. Am I saying that
2: right? Eat. Eat. Mm-hmm. Eep,
0: eep! What do I yep. I've said your prayers for years. Um, he was in the Battle of the Somme, the Battle of Arras, and the Battle of Passchendaele. And he was actually wounded at the Somme. Um, and these, of course, were all First World War battles. Um, he was a lance corporal. Is that right?
2: Yeah, a, a lance corporal, yeah.
0: He may have even been a full corporal by the end of the war. I'm not sure. No, I think he was a lance corporal. And prior to that, he was a painter before he joined... German army.
2: He actually yeah. got um, uh, rejected from the arts, the arts college in Vienna as well. From memory, yeah.
0: he received a first class Iron Cross uh, upon recommendation by by his Jewish superior, Lieutenant Hugo yeah. Gutman. That's interesting. Um, yeah, interesting. Interestingly,
2: he actually received two medals for bravery. Uh, promoted past. Corporals as his superiors didn't see uh, leadership qualities in him.
0: Mm. Whilst in hospital after recovering from being blinded by mustard gas, he heard Germany had surrendered and unle- and allegedly was so enraged he fell blind again. In that case. Um, be- began a career in the NSDAP, which would...
2: Forerunner to the Nazi party. Yeah,
0: which would become the Nazi party party in the 1920s so he was quite a strange cat prior to and during the war really wasn't he 100 percent, i think yeah and again these are my scores they're not necessarily trent's uh, scores so we can have a little bit of talk about that but inspiration motivation um, how did he inspire and how did he get people to do the things that he wanted them to do And what did they use to motivate others? I gave him 10 out of 10 for this. And the reasons being as such, Hitler was an effective public speaker. In fact, a lot of current uh, linguists and people who work around marketing, they look at not only Hitler but also Winston Churchill. And you and I use some of this in our own business where you use the power of threes. So you say things in in parts of threes because people seem to – Remember the patterns and go with that sort of melodic pattern forming. So he was a really effective
2: public speaker. Um I would go as far as to say he was highly effective. In fact, that's what led him to uh, become the leader of the Nazi Party. Was his ability to uh, to to be that fantastic orator? Mm. He was able to he was able to convert uh, what was essentially anti-Semitism views and and morph that into his uh, beliefs uh around the Aryan race and yeah. those sorts of things. So and he did that through the power of his own speech. Yeah, right. And I mean that was pretty big it's still quite big in some of the colleges
0: in London, you know, debating. And I think it's probably a, a bit of a lost skill actually, but it was definitely something that everyone did. And if you look if you look back all the way to the Greeks, you know, it was people that could stand up and actually do debating and and make these mm. great speeches were were really revered. He drew long bows between reality and radical Nazi ideology to opportunistically exploit German political economic crisis as being orchestrated by sort of anti German fifth columns, with Jews, Freemasons, Communists, Gypsies, and homosexuals being targeted as corrupting and destroying Germany from within. So, you know, I'm not going to draw any parallels, but there are parallels to the way that uh, media can be used. Uh, to go down rabbit holes with social media in particular on YouTube mm-hmm. and Facebook to have all yeah. these conspiracy theories. Um, so very very much around uh, let's have all these different sort of groups and these conspiracies around those groups. And I guess this is seen in the, in the propagation of the stab in the back myth that Germany was betrayed by Jewish and communist politicians into surrendering after World War I. The Great Depression allowed Hitler to accuse the Jews and the Bolsheviks of economically destroying Germany for their own game, capitalised on German shame after World War I defeat and their subsequent economic losses in the Great Depression, and directed blame to these groups to build political support and a political base. The Nuremberg rallies would draw crowds of hundreds of thousands to indulge in Nazi propaganda, Using Reichstag fire of 1933 as an excuse to inspire fear of communist plot, convincing President Hindenburg to give him emergency powers to restrict the rights of Germans who opposed Hitler, paved the way
2: for political success. Essentially, at that point in time, he was able to convince uh, uh, Hindenburg to essentially uh, make him the unchallenged leader of the of the party. Yeah. and went about uh disassembling his opposition from that point in. Mm. So, um so, you know, he was unchallenged after that point in time as a result of the Reichstag fire. Wow. He never had to face the popular vote as well after that point because he was right. operating under the uh, under the under those emergency powers. So, if we were to talk about his and and a lot of people talk about him being able to motivate the the populace, in reality, he never did face a democratic election mm. uh, after after that after that initial election that he got in, and then in fact, in that particular election, they actually lost seats. I think it was something along the lines of thirty seats uh, because it was equal representation. Mm, that's and interesting. They lost they lost thirty seats from their previous election high,
0: so which was in
2: about twenty eight or twenty nine.
0: So basically, it wasn't it wasn't democracy that led to someone like him. He didn't win the popular vote. Yeah. Well,
2: he did. He he got in initially, but on a downhill slide, mm. and then he maintained power as a result of the emergency powers that he convinced Hindenburg to give him.
0: Hmm. Interesting around, you know, the the American sort of college ballot system and the way that worked, You can not have the majority of the people, um, but you can end up winning the presidency. Hmm yeah back to germany so able to effectively inspire and motivate people to follow his vision through his public speaking and seizing on post world war 1 german attitudes uh, another pro his inspiration motivation propelled him to achieving political leadership so he obviously won over the right the right people sort of ink blot theory just yeah.
2: just Oh. sort of I guess going back on that um that first point, you know you're talking about motivating people to follow his vision through his public speaking, that's what I was referring to previously with the uh, with his ability to be that great orator, but he was highly adept at cherry picking what he believed the people saw as important at the time. Mm. He was really, really good at that, and so I'll give you an example in his early years worked out that uh the people themselves were keen on the image of the German leader being strong and an imposing and towering figure, and that's why you see a lot of the the psyops, a lot of that propaganda from um, those particular points from those particular points in, uh, particular, uh, points in time. Uh, are a photos taken looking up at him, so he has that towering and imposing uh, figure, or a long way back, so he can't see how short he actually is. Yeah, um, right. Mm. Yeah, so so uh, you know, there was a there was a lot of cherry picking attitudes uh at, you know to what suited his end. It reminds me of Jocko Willink. All the photos
0: of him from the floor and looking up make him look absolutely massive. You meet him in real life and he's quite still short. massive? No, he's not very big at all.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Oh, I've just lost another twenty thousand listeners who think I'm bagging out Jocko. I'm just saying he's not six foot tall. Um, okay, so <laughs> So Hitler seized on some opportunities like the Great Depression, Reichstag fire he further what is what was Reichstag fire the parliament okay. the Reichstag yeah mm. um, further inspired and motivated those of his vision through weaving his false theories. Um, yeah, so the other pro that had his inspiration and motivi- motivation built enduring support for implementing his vision, so he had this vision. He was able to inspire people and motivate them to do what he wanted them to do because they wanted to do it, right, which is the basis of leadership. Get someone to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. And he he was able to draw on their actual uh, heartstrings in all different ways to get them motivated in that direction.
2: Yeah, I guess that's where the contentious part of uh, Hitler's leadership starts to come into the conversation, doesn't it? I mean- Mm um you know why did they want to do it there there is certainly uh, there's certainly discussion around whether they actually believed actually believed Hitler's vision but certainly the political elites and the military leadership and definitely the 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 public in those early years absolutely 100% believed and were getting behind and I don't mean everyone clearly a large percentage of them were certainly getting behind Hitler's vision at that time
0: yeah, and I mean, what we're sort of skirting around the the elephant in the room, I guess, is you know we're talking about the you know destruction or genocide of a of a people.
2: Yeah, you know? the Holocaust. And
0: there was people who he had doing what they wanted to do because they wanted to do it. I mean, they were they, there were people who were complicit.
2: Some of, uh, and and yeah. the great and the greater majority of the the elites uh, that were certainly in power and and you know uh, arguably somewhat sycophantically, but. Um, they they believed in what Hitler was doing at the time as well. Yeah, for sure.
0: Wow. Um. So that's the pros, the cons. Well, it's not really the pros, but it is the pros the cons? His theories of stab in the back, communist Jewish plots—they uh, were all just myths. So they were exposed, or if they were exposed as untrue, it would would destroy his credibility. However, they were widely believed. So it's a it's a mute point, really. Yeah. yeah. Um. Right. I I to believe it. Yeah, so as far as motivation, really, most of the population, so 10 out of 10. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month.
1: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: And it's important to note that you know the Germans, you know they're good people. Like this is the this is the thing that they were. It was amazing that they, they got these good people. The end of the First World War the environment was ripe for someone like him to come along and to, to try and raise them out of the depression and turn it all into why is this about, about, it's about us, you know? And, and so the people were, yeah, they wanted to, they wanted to do what he wanted them to do.
2: I guess these scores have a, uh, a position in time as well. I would argue that uh, as the world's falling in on Germany and uh, the Soviets are coming through the, Uh, through the eastern edge of berlin they probably weren't as supportive and as motivated as uh, maybe they were probably four or five years earlier
0: yeah it's a good it's a good call and i I guess we're talking about right at the height of their their powers as far as this goes um providing purpose and direction again 10 out of 10 so this is around how you envisage goals mobilize people and resources to achieve the aims Um, So did this person create a vision that people look to and work towards? How did people, society work towards this vision? Was it consistent and coherent um, or beset by challenges? And in Hitler's case, 10 out of 10, he looked to establish a a militaristic, racially pure German state that would achieve European domination through creating the, the greater German Reich, incorporating much of Eastern Europe into this German state he achieved this through mobilization of the people and resources to indoctrinate the population with nazi ideology and, and then mobilize resources towards economic recovery and wider militarization it's really similar to what we see in some bigger countries now it was you know, it's it's really similar to what the american uh, military industry does
2: yeah. Um, it's
0: hard not to call it out, mate. You know, I've I've seen it from that I've seen it from that perspective, you know. It,
2: it's uh it's also I mean it's interesting. Um, but it's interesting to uh to talk about his efforts at you know pulling Germany out mm-hmm. of out of you know post World War One. That's easy to do, I guess, when you're mobilizing for World War Two. You don't you know, know and yeah, and, and you know it. But everyone else doesn't you, know, you yeah. know it, but the others don't know it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and increasingly, in the lead up to sort of 1939, it was was all at the expense of consumerism, consumer goods. You know, whole uh, whole factories were being uh, converted from yeah. uh, from from making baby food yeah. to uh, making combat rations. Right. You know, and and there's examples like that everywhere. Crazy. You know, cars, uh, civilian vehicles were you know not being produced anymore, or certainly mm. in a lo- lower numbers, in favour of armored vehicles. Let's so. I mean,
0: let's talk about some of the ideological ideological indoctrination. This is amazing, right? In in five years, schools started teaching teaching Nazi ideology as fact, the superiority of German, of the German. There was any anti-German art and media was banned and revised into having art which reflected promoted German superiority. It spread to different areas of society, so unions' goals became working for the betterment of Germany, not the benefit of workers themselves, due to the unions being amalgamated into the Nazi single union, the German labour front. Workers were rewarded with state-paid holidays, get this for progressive, maternity leave and pensions as a reward for their service to the state. The Hitler Youth was formed. That's Maiden... uh, servitude. Yeah. That's servitude. Yeah, all in five years. Hitler Youth, Maidens League, indoctrinated kids to Nazi ideology. So the Maidens League were the mm. ones indoctrinating the boys to be milit- militaristic and strong, and women to be devoted to motherhood and producing Aryan children. My God.
2: Just before you go on, that's a really important point too, and I think it's overlooked because uh, in the latter uh, in the latter year, Of the war, so in 1945, there were soldiers and officers entering the Wehrmacht and the SS who had really only ever known Hitler. Yep, they they were actually far more indoctrinated because Mm. they'd gone through this process. Yep, Uh, they were they were far and away more indoctrinated than their. So Jochen
0: Jochen Piper, who was a Panzer Mm. division commander towards the end of the war, he lost a heap of men early on in the war, and he maintained continuity through the Panzer Division. And towards the end of the war, he had Hitler Youth. And these guys had their dads and their grandfathers had died during World War II, the start of it. Mm. And these young guys, these young 18-, 19-, 20-year-olds, yeah, they couldn't drive a Panzer. And most of them couldn't shoot, but they were absolutely fanatical. It was scary. Yep. Not, And he he even made mention of... The, the seasoned warriors I had at the start from World War One were great soldiers and brilliant tacticians, but these people were terrifying. These kids that he had were terrifying on the battlefield. And, you know, they're, they're now, what are they now? They, they'd be now, you know, most of them are probably dead now, but at the end of the, at the you know, in the 50s, 60s and 70s, in the years later, these were 30, 40-year-old, 50-year-old Germans.
2: It's it's the 1940s version of radicalization. Mm. I mean, they were literally radicalized yeah. um, by this form of mm. by this form of leadership.
0: Yeah, I'll go. I'll go into some more of the radicalization, and then we might even talk briefly about you know a guy who who I really admired, which was Otto Scorzini, um, mm. and the fact that he was like an officer and a gentleman. He was a sword fighter, blah blah blah. But he would have seen all this going on around him. And he loved Germany, but he wasn't necessarily in love with the idea of you know of what was going on. The same as Rommel. But anyway. We should talk about Skorzani. Yeah, we'll do one about him. So organizations punished anti Nazi dissent and created the SS Gestapo. Um, the SS and the Gestapo. Army swore allegiance to Hitler, creating ideological link between Hitler and Army. You could talk about military occultism in Germany to show extent of radicalisation.
2: Yeah, I mean his form of leadership really is isn't occult. an, uh, an occultisation national, cu-
0: national occult. Yeah, religions yeah, were suppressed. Quite religious. Religion suppressed many, forced to adapt religions to suit Nazi ideology. Populist support for reclaiming German territories lost in World War One, and this is really big point. And this extended to support from ethnic Germans outside Germany to be reincorporated into Nazi Germany. So reincorporating Saarland in 1935, yeah. remilitarizing the Rhineland in 1936, Anschluss 1938. God, I just want to go travelling again. Sudetenland 1938, annexation of Bohemia 1939, and demands for Danzig. I mean, if you couldn't see that this was leading to all, yeah, all yeah. our expansionism, and I think they could, I think Europe could see that, but they didn't have much to, to do about it because the whole population was rising.
2: Oh, I agree. If you look at um, if you
0: look at Paris in the same time, you know they were setting up what they thought was the the is it the Maginot Line? They were setting up a, a line of defences, but the the whole population wasn't behind. Knew, def- knew. They all knew the whole population wasn't behind defending Paris or France, whereas the whole German population is now. Hey, <laughs> surprise! Yeah,
2: it regains those lands and and uh, the economy is improving. There's there's jobs, uh, even though the you know. The Deutschmark wasn't yeah. exactly worth uh, a whole lot. People had gainful employment, but yeah. it was all towards it was all towards expanding these um these boundaries. You yeah. know, it was that Rhineland in nineteen thirty six. I mean that was Hitler's that was Hitler's personal idea was, you know, regaining those boundaries. But even at that point in time in nineteen thirty six, the generals weren't behind him. Mm. Well they certainly weren't supportive of the reoccupation of Rhineland.
0: Yeah, right. And he so, forced them. So that shows you that he was able to provide purpose and direction, th- and that was through state-sponsored and statewide ideological indoctrination. And then you've got mm. the resource mobilisation. He re- he restructured the German economy, um, which resolved the Great Depression for Germany pretty early, actually. State-directed investment in infrastructure development saw expansion of Volkswagen, the auto Krupp, Stell, and other industries. The order of barns provided. Both civilian leisure infrastructure, but importantly, it was actually designed around military infrastructure to move things fast as their overall plan. It was heavy, genius. Heavy
2: vehicles and armored armored vehicles, yeah. and that's why the autobahns existed.
0: Yeah, highways that are the only highways in Europe that could move things around a country that fast. Uh, and this is from a country that was broke.
2: Yeah, you know, as I said before, uh, it's at the it's at the expense of the consumerist part of the industry. So it, it was really a very thin veneer on fixing the economy because there was no depth to that economy at all. Yeah. Uh, and it came at the expense of uh, quality of living standards as well.
0: And then you had the Treaty of Versailles where they weren't able to make uh, an offence force, so they made a defence force. So everything they were Locket doing was battle- for defence.
2: battleships and things like that.
0: Yeah, so interesting. And then, so the, the pros of all this, it created effective mechanisms for providing direction. So you've got education, Hitler Youth. It instilled purpose and direction in his ideas into the German people. There was direction and purpose to achieve Hitler's vision, which was embodied by all aspects of society, labour, industry, commerce, religion, the military, obviously, allowing Hitler to provide cohesive cooperation and direction across the population. Um, yep. It created positive cycle for Hitler's leadership, that inspiration that you talked about before, and leadership which would allow Hitler to provide that direction and purpose through schemes and mechanisms which would see further inspiration. So him standing on the dais almost, you know, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler. So Hitler's vision for the most part was achieved before and during the start of the war, especially when they had that amazing uh, blitzkrieg at the start, and that really sort of lit the fo- the home fires behind how, how great the, the Germans were. There was no challenge to his leadership due to huge support, absolutely massive support, and any challenge that was there sort of dis- dissipated. And it wasn't just... Until,
2: until those planned... Until those planned uh, attempts to overthrow him, but as that's, I said, that's uh, way yeah you know,
0: years later, and you mean yeah
2: that's years later, but but the but the political elite at the time were supportive. They did believe him. They yeah. were being empowered as a result of, was of getting, Hitler being there. they were all they, getting they rich again. they were all again. getting their bit. Yeah, they all had their snouts in the trough. They yeah. were all uh, part of it, and and of course the Nuremberg trials. You saw these political and military elites trying to back out mm. and um, indicate that they weren't supportive at the time but you know this was Hitler and and mm. some of these other key individuals at the time that were really leading the country down this path but it's not entirely true and and interestingly
0: it wasn't people his age group so you're talking mm. about you know suddenly you had this guy and all the youth were like loving him and then and then all of the world War one generals veterans. and veterans who were you know now in their you know older years and 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 people who had watched the modernization of germany who were in their 60s 70s so you had mm. intergenerational support so that's the pros the cons to the way that he would provide purpose and direction was it relied on indoctrination and coercion rather than leadership and inspiration so it was and, fragile and fear
2: and fear and fear and fear because yep. you know uh, in the early years he was using the brown shirts Mm. and they mm. just morphed. It went from the brown shirts to the black shirts, and there was a significant amount of fear yeah. involved, obviously the Gestapo. Mm. Uh, so it's not just – it wasn't just about indoctrination, but there was, it was past coercion. It was yeah. fear and oppression. And you,
0: had, you had kids to, just mm. before the war. You had Hitler Youth. You had young kids in their teens, young teens, rounding up Jewish sympathisers and and handing them over to the Gestapo. Insane.
2: <laughs> Gentile women. Uh, who were, who had uh, Jewish boyfriends? You know, they were they were forced forced to have their heads shaved in public and publicly shamed, uh, and, and by the brown shirts and the and the mm. youth, all because they had a Jewish boyfriend.
0: It's almost the ISIS
2: playbook, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah. So yeah, the leadership style score seven out of ten I gave him um, for his leadership style, and I'll explain that because I know that you're going to go what. But yeah. as, what as far as <laughs> as far as style, there's different styles of leadership, and he was a dictator, and then you've got a collaborative leadership style, participative leadership style, delegative leadership style, but you know people who lead by example, but he was well and truly a dictator, and it was effective, and that's the score is effectiveness of his leadership style Now, this is interesting. a lot of people won't know this, even the people who are educated on World War II and Hitler won't know this. So Hitler ruled through a thing called the Führerprinzip, and the principle relied on absolute obedience of all subordinates to their superiors. Thus he viewed the government structure as a pyramid with himself, the infallible leader at the apex of that pyramid. Promotion was secure through appointment by those of higher rank who demanded unquestioning obedience to the will of the leader. So that Führerprinzip made things legal you know that you otherwise wouldn't think would be legal so doing so doing things like hiding a Jewish person in your you know basement that would be illegal, but mm. you know firing squad or worse, that was legal as part of as part of his ultimate obedience so if he says yes, you can do it, then anyone below him can then tell someone below them to do it
2: uh, it's um don't don't get me wrong i i have I have my own um Views on the on the leadership style score. I understand that uh, this this mm. Uh, mm. style of leadership is it's a an extremely uh, important style of leadership to understand. But mm. it is essentially quasi religious. He has yeah. effectively turned himself into a demagogue and and justified justified as you said changing the laws because he said so it's almost like leaders of a thousand years before yeah i mean there
0: is there is leaders out there like that now mm. who actually have great communities and countries um who 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 are religious leaders yes anyway let's not go down that path yet And he would foster competition and rivalry between subordinates to protect a united threat to his power, as well as to have that naturally strong leader then rise to the top, as you would see with people like Jochen Piper, Otto Scorzini, Goebbels. And became yeah, become a
2: divisional commander.
0: Yep. He allowed ministers and subordinates to interpret and achieve his goals through interpreting those goals and and then having that initiative to achieve to achieve it. So choosing their own mission, basically, to you know which is a, which is a very very sound way of commander's intent being interpreted
2: hmm. unless he took a direct interest in which case he had the final say and hmm. he increasingly gave himself more and more portfolios within within the government and um, obviously it was not unlike him to believe that he could control all of the units on the battlefield down to you know some of the smallest sizes such as Battle group or battalion-sized organizations. Mm. He felt that he could control them all uh, himself personally. Mm. And if he indicated that he wanted to, you know, pull this lever here and deliver more ammunition, you know, eighty-eight millimeter ammunition or or whatever it was, he would pull that lever and get involved. Which was effective initially. Well, Well, I guess to some extent, but you you know, no one person has a monopoly on all the good ideas, and I'm just Mm. not sure that. You know, as increasingly as it started to come unhinged, the the principle of this style of leadership started to, to unravel. Yeah. He wouldn't write
0: written orders. He'd communicate verbally, opening those orders up to varied interpretations and, and ways mm. of achieving them. Some challenges to his leadership. Early in his career, the SA and its leaders grew in power. Hitler feared being deposed as head of the Nazi party. So he just purged them in the night the night of the long knives to
2: consolidate control.
0: Mm. That's interesting.
2: Again, he didn't have to face opposition. Yeah. And, and he wasn't, you know, after that last election, he was never called to account.
0: Mm. Then there was the Valkyrie plot, which sought to kill Hitler in 1944 due to his anti-Jewish policies, military defeats, and the desire for aristocrats to lead Germany. And that, that plot failed to kill Hitler. Hitler made all major decisions regarding Germany's military strategy as you said before so varied levels of success there he ordered German military to occupy Norway, France and the Low Countries in 1940 saw strategic success despite opposition to these offenses by German offensives by German generals
2: that gave him the confidence mm. to back himself in any argument those those good wins and they were good wins mm. were against the advice of the generals at the time they opposed him on the reoccupation of Rhineland and the invasion of France. And as a result of that, from the 1940s, it, it confirmed his belief that the generals were timid and weak. Mm. And that and that's part of the reason why he rode them so hard. Uh, he He was supportive of those strong ones coming through, but he expected that unless they proved themselves to him, that they were most likely timid and weak. Yeah. One of the interesting things about this was that,
0: you know germany was opened up into two sides so there was there was two fronts and he saw it himself that it was it was his desire to be the the general that was basically the the general in, in chief or the commander in chief of the army on and then he would he was the folk he was focusing his efforts and his brain power into the war with with the soviet union while his commanders faced the Western allies. And that and that ultimately led to his, you know, well, anyway, downfall, German's downfall. His military, yep. you know, success was limited against the Russians. He couldn't make rational decisions. You know, he had syphilis and Parkinson's disease at the same time and was taking this cocktail of drugs, so he wasn't making rational decisions at all. And he was making decisions quite often against advice of German generals. He was superstitious, he wouldn't move Panzer divisions which could have defeated the allies at d day because he was asleep when generals made the request.
2: He also gave them the order that these units and formations were not to be moved mm. unless he said so. Mm. so that allowed that allowed for poor commanders to absolve themselves of the responsibility of any tactical failures, and it forced good commanders to miss tactical opportunities. yeah. And 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 write
0: towards the end when they were defending, you know, Germany when they were defending Berlin. He he had this ludicrous idea to go and recapture oil in Romania with battle groups that or divisions that didn't exist, which was I think every you know there's a movie that shows him losing his mind. You know that that movie where they make out that he's downfall. Down down yeah, he never it's ever a great movie. He's a good movie. He never considered yeah. surrender and and died somewhere in a bunker and his body was burnt beyond recognition, apparently.
2: Apparently. Indeed.
0: World's greatest so conspiracy. Say. Yeah. Tim Kennedy's still trying to find him in South America. But anyway, around his leadership style, a couple of, a couple of pros, fewer prinzip effectively negated any challenge to his leadership. Um, it was just all controlling. His personal style of leadership with limited input from generals saw effective implementation of military plans, especially the blitzkrieg which was you know, really early successes and, and did have this, this second-order effect of making both the French and the British and even the Americans think that the German army might be unstoppable. And then Prinzip also allowed his orders to be implemented with initiative and flexibility in some regards because nothing was on paper, so it was hearsay and innuendo. However, the cons to all that, his sole leadership coupled with increasingly deteriorating mental health, saw no one able to stop or advise him from making any mistakes. So they couldn't, they couldn't stop D-Day. Uh, failure to stop the launch of the Battle of the Bulge. Um, they created factionalism, which split the Nazi leadership, you know, when they needed leadership the most. And his dictatorial, is that a word? Dictatorial. Dictatorial style created challenges to his leadership. Their failure mitigates this point, but demonstrates how it did alienate some of his inner circle. Hmm. So it was effective until it wasn't.
2: Until it got hard. It was, again, fragile. So
0: enduring legacy, so continuation of ideas and personal adoration, how does history remember them? Not surprisingly, I gave him 0 out of 10.
2: I'm glad that you have said 0 out of 10 Mm. uh, because I think... Up until
0: now, I was looking like a Nazi, wasn't I?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Even by... Their standards of the day, the social standards of the day and and setting aside the fact that the the German population themselves mm. were were feeling oppressed mm. uh, as a result of the versailles treaty and and the implications of that, you know it was it was certainly obvious to much of the world that he was he was a dictator who was bent on destruction of the the free world
0: yeah. And the reason for that score, so no continuation of ideas. Nazism was destroyed in World War Two, yeah, I, I, and reveal, reviled thereafter. So,
2: mm. yeah.
0: Hitler has no real adoration, it, only widespread contempt. Almost everyone sees him as um, megalomaniacal, a racist, evil, murderous, paranoid, and bringing unwanted chaos and destruction. Germany has shame. It, it's had to apologize profusely for this. Period of its history.
2: Extensive shame. A lot of their laws now uh, in Germany are as a result of preventing something like this from happening again. Mm. But uh, as Ricky Javos would say, uh, you don't hear of too many boys being called Adolf anymore, do you? (laughs) No. There's no enduring legacy,
0: Um, and historical dismissal of Hitler as murderous tyrant earns Hitler a zero. Rightly so. Yeah, how it ended for them. Again, I gave him 0 out of 10 for how it ended. And, and you know, we've done a heap of these leaders for the coming weeks ahead and some of them, it's mm. 10 out of 10, you know. But for him, you know, he ended his own life. We think um, his leadership ended in a bunker in Berlin surrounded by his enemies and instead of surrendering, just killed himself. So he didn't even give the world, you know, that ability to heal through, through that. Um, the Germany he created was not only defeated, it was split between capitalist West and communist East and created you know, an enduring legacy of pain for people right up until the, you know, um, late 90s, early
2: 1000s. So, it hmm. was the complete destruction of his country and, hmm. and 12 and a half years prior to that when he started, he he claimed there was going to be a promised thousand years of the Third Reich. So by that, maths, given that he was in charge for 12 and a half years... Hmm. He achieved about 1.2% of his goal, the complete destruction of his country. That's, yeah. that's what happened. That was the, how it ended. Yep, yeah,
0: nothing good came out of that.
2: Overall leadership
0: summary, 28 out of 50, which sounds probably better than it should, but you have to remember, he brought a country from its knees out of a depression, mobilised huge human resource, gave them positivity, motivation, and direction. It's just that it was in completely the wrong way. Yeah,
2: if he'd, if he'd gone a different way, if he'd been moderated or been able to be moderated by uh, more moderate leaders, mm. uh, maybe. You know, there still would have been anti-Semitism, but maybe not genocide. There there still would have been expansionism, but maybe not taking on three country, three major powers at once. Mm. I am not a fan of Hitler or his leadership style. Mm. I think he achieved it through propaganda, through through lies and coercion and violence. Mm. The score was given to
0: him because of his ability to inspire, because of political ascension through motivational speaking and opportunism, which led him to be able to implement his political direction to creating his idol. Let me start again with that. So Hitler's ability to inspire and his political ascension through motivational speaking and opportunism led him to be able to implement political direction, creating his idealised German state through mobilising all sectors of society. They obeyed his will and they also pursued his envisaged Germany.
2: Which, you know, Mm. as we've sort of discussed a few times, Mm. was, was crooked in its initial inception. I mean, it was his... And he was able to capitalize on the fears of mm. the people, mm. but when we talk about the legacy it's a leader's responsibility to lead the world in a better place. Mm. you know he's hardly done that has he
0: no and and that lack of enduring legacy, the immediate collapse of Nazi Germany and defeat of World War II effectively washes away any long term impact he would have even had and diminished his leadership impact considerably so you know all in all. Not a very good score. It's not the lowest score, but it's not a very good score. Some things to take away, I think, probably the passion that he showed, if that's the right word, is is something interesting for leaders to look at. And also the, the, the orating, orating skills, his ability to mobilize people's minds through crystallizing a vision for them and then selling that vision widespread bread building a fan base which is part of what leadership is um he was very effective at that so so perhaps if you're thinking about yourself as a leader and you're looking at any anything good that can come out of you know that nutcase, it's probably the the ability to connect with a huge amount of people to show them a vision of a of a of a where you're taking your leadership end state towards so you know, you've been given a task, and now this is what that task looks like at its definition of done to use a better term.
2: Mm.
0: That's probably yeah, the only that, good thing.
2: Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly understood the very early uh, propaganda and and really branding. Mm. He really branded himself in order to uh to take on that Fuhrer Princip uh style of leadership. It's quite sophisticated, uh, wasn't it? Was extremely, and um having uh having studied a fair bit of Propaganda, psychological operations. I think uh, it was really quite effective. It took the Western countries a long time to start to counter that. We've we've uh, we've covered off on uh, a lot of what made Hitler good and bad, mm. predominantly bad. And and you know, you only have to Google "Was Hitler a great or good leader?" on YouTube to see the extensive amount of work and academia and and publications uh, that that is all over the internet, mm. and and it's interesting to see both sides of of the leadership debate. Mm. And yeah. um, you know, personally, I don't I don't have time uh, for for Hitler. And um, mm. a, as a leader, mm. uh, sure, there's there's a couple of aspects there that are worth noting. But uh, from the perspective of being unobserved, don't give him all away. He's uh, Is not my my cup of tea.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. That's the first one off the bat. Hitler, I think we're going to do another one.
2: Uh, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, we'll do Churchill next. There we've got the two competing leaders pretty much. And then I think we're going to do John Monash.
2: Fantastic.
0: Then Ataturk. Got some good ones coming, though. Next week we'll do Churchill. Hey, Trent, thanks very much for joining me again on the podcast. Let's dissect leadership a little bit more through these amazing leaders over the next few months. Thanks, mate. Cheers.
1: Thanks for listening to the Warrior U podcast. Did you know that our parent company, Hindsight, offers leadership and resilience training as well as workshops? If you would like to know more, please head to www.hindsightleadership.com. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast, there's a donation tab at the bottom of the main podcast page. All contributions are greatly appreciated and help to keep the show on the road. If you're interested in the Warrior U military preparation course, you can find all the information through the podcast website page. Just click on the training tab. All this information and more can be found at www.podcast.warriou.com.au.